have a different perspective on Christmas. Because Christmas for me is I love being able to give and I love being able to share in the joy that you see like with family when you give them gifts. Because it's, it's true, it's just better to give than it is to receive. It really is, unless you're giving somebody like a big uh, free vacation to Bora Bora, then maybe it's better to receive than it is to give on something like that. But usually it's, it's better to give than it is to receive because you get to see the joy in what's happening uh, in people's hearts. But for me, the biggest part of the Christmas season, and I know you guys will share in this too, is celebrating the birth of our Savior. It's celebrating my Jesus. It's celebrating the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, who chose to be born in flesh and blood to live in this jacked up world that we live in so that he could give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, to me, that's the most awesome part about the Christmas season, celebrating my Jesus. I love celebrating my Jesus. And that's what this series is going to be about, uh, celebrating Jesus, everything he's done for us, and maybe digging in and taking a closer look at who he is as a person. Um, because I think a lot of times when we think about Jesus and think about the stuff that he's done for us, we think about how he is our Savior and he is our Lord and he is our King. But you know that there's more to Jesus than just being our Savior and our Lord and our King. He's a very personal Lord and Savior. He's a very personal King. He's very personal in how he approaches us. And so we're going to look at some of the characteristics of Jesus and how he desires to relate to us as his children. So it's going to be a fun series. If you got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture um, over the next couple of weeks and just picking it apart. I'm excited about it. This is a classic Christmas Bible verse because it's talking about the, the birth of Jesus. Um, Isaiah penned this about 600 years before Jesus was born. He began to lay out some of the characteristics of this guy who was going to do so much for you and me. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These names and these attributes given to our Savior are absolutely important in our understanding of who he is and how he relates to us. Everybody says, well, what's in a name? Well, back then, a lot of stuff was in a name. And even today, there's a lot of stuff in a name. Because if you don't have a good name, you don't have much. You can have all the money in the world, and if you've got a bad reputation, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? You can't buy character. You can't buy integrity. Those things have to be earned those things have to be displayed, and those things have to, be, have to be modeled in your life. My dad always told me, boy, he always told me, boy, make sure that you keep your name good. Make sure that when people think about your name, they think integrity and they think character first. Because it's important. Your name is important. Look, you can earn more money. If it costs you money to keep your name, keep your name. Keep your character. Keep your integrity. Keep your word, you know. Um, do whatever it takes to keep that, you know, because it's incredibly important. So when we're looking at the names of Jesus and these characteristics that go along that are given to him here in Isaiah 6, it's incredibly important because these are establishing the character 
of Jesus and how he interacts with us as his kid. Make sense? It's putting his character and his integrity on display and how he intends to interact with us. And one of the things we're going to be, or what we're going to look at today is how he is our wonderful counselor. Our wonderful counselor. How many of you guys, if you were going to go to a counselor, you would want somebody who was good at what they were doing? You wouldn't want to waste your time, right? Now, when you look at the definition of the word counselor here, it's really interesting. Um, it means one who counsels with purpose and action. One who counsels with purpose and actions, which means that he doesn't play around. He's not going to waste your time. What he does, he does on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And what he does, he does in a way that you can put it into action in your life. I don't want to go to a shrink that's going to waste six months of my life and cost me about ten grand and me get nowhere with what I'm doing. And this is not what Jesus is about. He, Jesus wants to get in and figure out what's going on with us and give us, as a counselor, advice. To give us, as a counselor, um, uh, to give us a plan of action to overcome issues and work out problems and find solutions. That's who he desires to be in our life because that's who he is as our Savior. He doesn't want to waste our time. So if I'm going to a counselor, there's some things that I would want uh, to see happen, things that would be important to me. And I want to run through those with you real quick because I think you guys would agree. If, if I was going to go to a counselor, I would want someone that I could trust. I would want someone that I could trust. I want to know that the stuff that I'm telling you is going to between, be between you and me. I want to know that I can trust you to have your, my best interest in mind when we're working out a solution. And guys, I can tell you, there is nobody on this planet, nobody in this universe, in all creation, that we can trust more than our Jesus. He is completely faithful. He is trustworthy. He's honest. He's true. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hey, if you can't trust a guy like that, you're in trouble. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get any more trustworthy than Jesus. There's another thing that I would look for, too. Um, I would look for somebody that's got a proper perspective that was beyond my own. Somebody who could stand outside of my situation and see what was going on and help me find solutions to make it happen. Uh, the, th th the third thing I would look at is this. If I was choosing a counselor, I would absolutely pick someone who provides guidance and wisdom for life. I don't want to go to a talking head. I want to have somebody who can give wisdom for the issues in my life. And in our relationship with Jesus, we absolutely have access to wisdom and guidance for our lives. Through the word, through prayer, and through his Holy Spirit speaking to us as a counselor in our life. And the fourth thing is this. I would, I would look for someone who could bring light into the dark areas of my life. I would look for someone who had the ability to peel back the layers and get down to the deep stuff that I didn't want to talk to anyone else about. I would look for someone who could get in to that dark, dirty stuff that so many times we put on the good face to cover up. I know I'm talking to people in church, but can we talk about putting on a little mask and putting on a face sometimes? Because that happens in life. and we're, we're, We can become really good at covering up this stuff and only allowing people to see a surface level of who we are. I would want somebody who could get in deep, past all the facade, 
past all the guys, past all the junk, and get to the heart of the issue and not just treat symptoms in my life, but get to the root cause of what was going on. How about you? And that's what God desires to do with each and every one of us. Why do you say that, Pastor Josh? Well, because today we're going to be looking at what is an incredibly, incredibly widespread issue that people deal with, not just in church, but outside the walls of the church. Um, Depression impacts us all. Amen? Whether it impacts us personally because we suffer from it or or deal with it, or whether or not we know somebody that's going through it, Uh, most people fall in those two categories. Um, And I know that God, as a wonderful counselor in our lives, cares very much about the things that we go through and the things that we deal with. Uh, Especially through the holiday season, depression skyrockets, especially in America. Suicide attempts because of depression skyrocket um, because you're reminded of the people that are not at the family table. You're reminded of the loneliness that you deal with. You're reminded of the issues um, that, that keep you seemingly boxed in and sad when everybody else seems to be so happy you know so it's a really big issue and it's a really relevant issue did you know that depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide worldwide above physical injury or health issues you've got depression which in a way is a health issue um, depending on what type of depression that you're dealing with um That's huge. A lot of people deal with it. Most people don't realize this, but approximately one in five people in America um, deal with anxiety or depression. One or the two. And usually, if you're wrestling with depression in your life, uh, you've got a lot of anxiety that you're dealing with, too, because anxiety is like the road that leads to major depression in people's life. The two go hand in hand. So I thought that rather than talking about depression from a preaching perspective today, I thought it would be good to bring someone up and have a conversation with someone who has dealt with the issue of depression in their life. Have a good conversation with a person who, this guy, this guy's lived a lot of life. I'll let, you, I'll let him tell you some of his story here in a minute. Uh, we're going to have a really good conversation. This guy has wrestled with, fought with depression and come to a place of victory in his life with it. Not that he's 100% free of the decision and choice to deal with it, you know, sometimes when it flares up day to day. But this guy's he's come a long way dealing with depression, multiple suicide attempts, and he's found a place in his walk with God where he's on good ground now. Um, I don't want to set him up too much. I just want to call him up here and let him begin to share his story. Could you guys welcome to the platform today Mr. Teddy Wilding. Teddy, why don't you come up here? Grab a seat, man. Um... I kind of talked about 
the struggles that, that you've overcome and the stuff that you've fought through. And the, it's cool to see God doing so much in your life right now, man. And we'll, we'll get to the how you got to it and, and what changed and what the differences were and, and how you got to the place that you're at right now in your walk with God. But let's, let's kind of start at the end and maybe work our way back towards um, the beginning and then get to how you got on good ground. Um, and let's talk about this last major suicide attempt that you had because I want people to understand depression's no game. It's no game. Uh, it can take you to some really dark places, and it can cause you to do some really extreme things. So, mm -hmm. man, won't you talk us through that? Well, um, you know, I've been a Christian pretty much uh, the, the better part of my adult life, you know, and it's, it's not like when I was out of, out of church at home that was constantly living in sin. You know, it's not like uh, in the church, a lot of times we think of people as, as depressed. We think of them, uh, you know, uh, there's that, I guess, the, the church stigma where when you're depressed, you're, uh, you must have a demon or you, you've probably got something that you're hiding, you know, in, in your personal life. And that could be, could be part of mm -hmm. it, but it doesn't mean that it is. Yeah, and, and really. you know, as a... Uh, I think a lot of times we we take the things that we have and we get so comfortable living a Christian life that we forget to apply the uh, principles of being a Christian. Like you know, I was a youth pastor for what I guess ten years, and you know doing doing that, I was uh, I was praying, I was going through a routine, I was preaching, I was doing all that. But then when it came to actually applying, there was that that gap there wasn't that full-on relationship with God and I think a lot of times that's what leads us into that is we get we get caught up in ourselves and we think we're finally strong enough that we can do it by ourselves and we start pushing God away and we push him away and we push him away and if you can listen to my story and and you can not believe that God will chase you down then then you are you're way better off than I've ever been because I I can tell you that last uh July man I I woke up it felt like it was a perfectly normal day um you know it was a it was a Friday morning it was I was ready for the weekend and I didn't really uh I kind of thought about suicide, but I didn't think I would actually be able to go through it. And I'm just going to tell you all, if you got kids in here that you don't want to hear about suicide, it's going to be pretty, um, it's going to be pretty out there. So um, that day I woke up and, you know, moms have a good, uh, they have a good way of bringing out the emotion in us and I had to move away from my mom earlier because she she tried to do it earlier and you know uh that day I, I woke up I called my mom and the whole day kind of started with a lie you know uh my best friend was in Florida on vacation with his family and I told my mom I was going to hang out with him that uh we were going to just go and cut up and be stupid that day but then when I got off the phone with her, I told her I loved her, and then I told her to tell my dad that I loved him. And I kind of got up and was wandering through the house doing my routine. 
I went to my bedroom and just it, as instant as as right now, pretty much it it pops into my head. You know, today would be a good day to to kill myself. And that week, like I said, it was Friday. I had texted a friend of mine and asked him to swing by and get me for church on Sunday. I knew that they didn't know I was depressed, but I knew if I got to church, I knew that that would that funk would go. And that Friday, I decided I'm going to end my life. So I, I got my 9mm, I chambered around, and I took it out to the living room. I sat down on the couch, and I just I sat there for a minute trying to find a reason. Like, I, I was reaching for reasons. I was doing... I was doing everything I could think of to not go through with it. And for me, social media is uh, its a very negative factor in life. You know, you see a lot of, uh, a lot of bullying and just garbage that you don't necessarily need to see. So I made the mistake of logging into my Facebook that I hadn't been in over a year and I saw a couple friends of mine that were uh, having a conversation back and forth on Facebook about me and just talking about how horrible a person I was, and it just it kind of fueled the fire, you know. So at that point, I'm still kind of pacing the house and just God give me a reason not to do this, and I'm one of those weirdos that, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to cut my arm open or something, I'm not going to do it with a dirty box cutter. You know, I don't want to get an infection. I'm, I'm wanting to die, but I don't want to get an infection. So so I go and I, f I find a nice clean box cutter that hadn't been opened yet and went and got all my pills. And, you know, I was on uh, Percocet. And I was on Percocet 10, so pretty strong pain meds. And took those out in the living room, sat them down, and then... Sitting there, you know, I go through the whole continuing to talk myself out of it. A and even even to the point when I picked up the razor, I didn't think I would be able to, um, really didn't think I would be able to do it. I had this, um, this idea in my head. I always thought people that committed suicide were weak until I made this, this first cut right here when I felt when I felt how painful it was pulling a box cutter through your own skin, that it kind of made me realize that it wasn't really a, a thing of weakness, more of a place of hurt. So I, I made this cut here, and then I took uh, 140 Percocet 10s, which is the Percocet alone should have been enough to kill me. And then I took 120 muscle relaxers and made this cut here and somehow managed to cut up through this but I remember thinking through the whole thing that I wasn't bleeding out fast enough so I thought it would be a good idea to get up and wander around the house and so I get up and I'm walking around there's at this point there's pretty much blood caked all over pretty much everything I can see. There's a trail of blood down the hallway and and I still have this idea that it's just not going 
quick enough. You know, I, I thought when you made a cut that big, I, I would have thought you would have bled out pretty fast. And so this is kind of where it starts to get hazy for me because I don't really remember this, but apparently during all this while I was bleeding, I went and started a fire in the house because I was like, well, if I don't bleed out, then hopefully I'll pass out. And by the time I pass out, you know, maybe the fire will finish everything off. And, you know, apparently the um, the fire gave the fire department and the police enough to, to find me. And, you know, if I hadn't set the fire, I probably would have ended up bleeding out like I wanted to. But the whole time in that, I was I was praying. I was asking God to give me a reason not to do it. I was, you know, I, I pretty much was at the point where I wanted to see if uh, I was at such a place of doubt and darkness that I wanted to see if heaven and hell was real. And going through that, I ended up seeing the answer to that, but not the way I wanted to. It was only kind of, you know, down the road while I'm sitting in jail and waiting to find out if I'm going to go to prison or if I'm going to get a second chance and be able to get out and come home and and all that when I start to see that where I wanted to die I started to see how much God actually loved me and all of it not because not only because he spared me and has given me a chance to be where I'm at now but he he was able to you know in all my darkness, I feel like my subconscious kind of was uh, probably being worked by God. Uh. So while you were doing all of this, you were still, uh, if I'm understanding you right, you were still kind of like crying out through the whole process, mm -hmm. please help, please help, please help, please yep. help, through the whole thing. I don't want to like make it awkward for you, but can you do you mind standing up and just showing everyone this? Not Not uh. to be... Grotesque, or you know, to be over dramatic or anything. You can see, but you know, we have pictures, so if Do Josh we, wants can, to, can they put them up? If just so, just to, yeah, if David wants to throw them up there. They're they're pretty. Uh, well, there's yeah, they're, they're not the real fact. bad, but this was uh, this was actually after the fourth and fifth suicide attempts two weeks later so they're a little less graphic because they're yeah. cleaned up a bit but so that was a spark that cattle it was a catalyst for multiple mm. attempts after that i want to show everybody this um just just to set a tone before we go much further in this discussion because look when the enemy gets a hold of you and exacerbates a situation that you're walking through this is always the end result. His desire, his outlook, his motivation is to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything about our lives. Everything about us. And that's what he was trying to do with you. Um, most cases of depression, most cases of that, that go this far, they always, it's like the enemy follows the same plan of attacking people's lives. He'll, he'll get you to the place where you, where you find yourself separated from people, mm -hmm. from accountability, from friends, and he'll isolate you mentally and emotionally from those people 
So you feel like you're alone because you have been separated and put in a place where he can just hammer on you and get you to the place where something like this becomes a reality in your life. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you're never alone. You're never alone. You have people that love you. You have people that care about you. And even if you feel like you don't have anyone that you can count on, I'm here to tell you there's a God in heaven who loves you, who hasn't given up on you. And it's interesting to me that the whole time you were going through this, having known some truth about the Bible, it was like while you were going through these steps, you were crying out to him and in a way crying out through what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Separation, isolation, and then destruction is how he operates in our lives. So this is where it ended up. Let's talk about how we got there because this is what I know. If one in five people are dealing with in one way or another, in one degree or another, dealing with anxiety and or depression, because a lot of times the two go hand in hand. Anxiety, when it's not properly dealt with, will always lead you to a depressed state Mm -hmm. because you get emotionally depleted through the stress that you're under and the pressure that you're under because of the anxiety and your inability to handle it. That When you hit emotional exhaustion and there's nothing left in the tank, that's when depression sets in. Um, at least through environmental things. Like there's a, there's a few different ways depression hits you. It's through environmental pressures and anxiety, and you get emotionally depleted, um, traumatic events yeah. in life. I know you being a veteran, um, you know, uh, there was a lot of, you, you, you mentioned suffering from PTSD because um, you saw a lot, went through a lot. Um, this, this wasn't like your first brush with death because you fell out of a helicopter mm-hmm. at, what, 100 feet? Yeah, in uh, 2002, and you know, it's uh, it seems like me and Death always have this little dance that we try yeah. to do, and you know, somehow always win. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh we were kind of joking the other day, and I told Pastor Josh, I said, I think at this point, it's uh, safe to say I'm probably just gonna die of old age. I can't kill myself. <laughs> I can't. You know, it's, it's like what you know. I in guess I'm, hopefully I'll just go in my sleep one day when I'm like 90. Yeah. That wasn't your first attempt, though, because you mm-hmm. mentioned hitting a low place in life, too, because a lot of people don't know this about you, but you had not just dealt with some things mm-hmm. recently in life, but going back, and I don't, I don't want to pull the scab off of anything, but you you had a, a wife and child at one point. Well, a, a girlfriend, a girlfriend and a child yeah. at one point, and they were both um, killed in an, an auto accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and that puts you to a low point. You said you you actually had a, a gun in your mouth. Well, that was... Um, was that before then? That was kind of what drove me yeah. into going into the military. You know, it was yeah. like uh, get as far away from Douglasville and Georgia as I could. And But getting away didn't change what was going on inside of you, did it? See, that's what a lot yeah. of people think is if I can get out of town, if I can get a new environment, if I can get a new surrounding, if I can just change what I see, then it'll change my situation because I can get a fresh start. But the problem is, everywhere you go, there you are. You know, you can't run from what's going on inside of you, not to, to cut you off, but you ended up at a point where you, you had a you had the barrel in your mouth. Yeah, this was after um, the, the accident and everything. I knew I was uh, heading out, being discharged, and, you know, I've always been a military kind of guy, you know, it's a yeah it's easy somebody always tells you what to do the only thing they don't do is give you a wife and you know it's it's pretty easy you wake up you do whatever and you know i knew that was coming to an end yeah 
and the transition from military to civilian was uh i knew it was going to be pretty rough and i was sitting doing guard duty over a b1 bomber one day and decided that that would be a, a good time and i don't i don't even know if my parents know about this but it was one of the earlier i guess dark times and i took my m16 and put the barrel in my mouth and pulled the trigger and for some reason it just didn't fire you know and i wasn't once that wasn't christian but i wasn't living for god you know i was kind of was kind of angry i was uh you know i was mad i lost my little girl she was uh she was only three when she she passed away and I just didn't really understand and I still don't sometimes you know it's like you don't just automatically get healed of things and it just you know it still kind of stinks because uh I was telling Josh the other day that uh the 28th would have been her 23rd birthday so you know that, that stuff kind of sticks with you and there was that and, and that pushed me to the the brink of wanting to end my life then so you had this is what I know too <laughs> like there's a lot of people that might not have known that about you and there's probably a lot of things we don't know about each other mm-hmm. in the room too you know a lot of things that happen along the road of life what do you feel like what do you feel like because I know people can look at this happened and that happened and people said this about me and they said that about me and and all of those things are factors but what do you feel like as far as what you were responsible for what do you feel like you did that put you in a position during this period of your life um, more recently that allowed the enemy the access to just get in there and hammer on you and get you to that point because this is what I know there's probably some people in here Mm -hmm. that would never admit it and there's probably some people that are going to be listening to this podcast later um, that won't admit this stuff to anybody but a lot of people down deep in that dark place where they don't let anybody know and they try to hide it from God have got um, they might have this struggle going on with Mm -hmm. them maybe not where they are just thinking about ending their life later today or tomorrow, but maybe they're at a place where they they feel absolutely alone and like they can't shake this stuff. What do you feel like you did that put you in a place to get you where you were you were headed, you know, towards the the suicide attempts? We'll talk about what you feel mm-hmm. like fixed it later, but what do you think you did personally that set you up? for that fall in your life? Oh, to me, that's easy. You know, I was uh, I isolated and removed myself from church. You know, when, wow. it, when it was going into all that, like I said, I, I'd text somebody to come to church that Sunday. I knew if I made it to church that uh, I knew it wouldn't necessarily be okay, but I knew it would uh, start to get me on the path to get back to where I needed to be. And I knew, you know, it's um, I, I really loved being a, a pastor. You know, it was a it was a lot of work. I, a lot of times, I hated dealing with the parents, but I, I, the kids are kids are awesome. You know, they're they're honest. They just there's there's something about kids that just makes life feel whole. I guess, and so I guess it's uh, it, when I remove myself from all that, I you know I lost my ministry. I stepped away from that. I stepped out of the church. And, and for me, 
I don't know. Um, a lot of people going through depression think they don't have anybody to turn to. What was scary with me was that, you know, Pastor Josh has been a friend for probably 15 years now. And, you know, I knew I could have texted him. I could have texted Freddie, uh, a few, you know, other people in the church I could have talked to. And, and I knew that they would have dropped everything and been there for me. But I was in such a dark place that all I could see was what the enemy wanted me to see. And I think a lot of times that we we forget that when we pray to God, God knows what we're going through, but the enemy also knows what we're going through. And when we're isolated and moved from the church, and when we cut off the, you know, when we cut off people like Pastor Josh and people that we know are going to be there for us, you really don't give God, you, other than him just directly intervening, you don't give him a lot of avenues to help you. And, and that was kind of what I did. I just I completely removed from church. I I quit talking to to the hearts. You know, I had you know. There's a lot of people in the church that I just yeah. I knew would have been there for me, and I just now you said you you stepped away from church. Were there any? I, I'm a pastor, so I know the answer to this question mm -hmm. before I ask it. Were there any? And don't use names. Don't use whatever because right. I yeah. I just know the answer before yeah. I ask it. Were there any incidents where maybe in church you were reaching out for help but found that you couldn't get the help but you got a lot of generic terms thrown at you? I can't necessarily say a, a specific event in church, but I'm, I'm real bit, I hate when I get those cliche answers like I'll pray for you or it'll be okay. Yeah. It's like you, you just slap me in the face or something, you know, because there, there's – there's no depth in that when you're going through depression or something and you talk to somebody they, a lot of people just don't understand depression and the go-to answer they want to say is we'll smile or feel better be happy if I could be happy I wouldn't be depressed you know and that's what a lot of people don't understand well, snap out and, of it yeah it's, what's the problem yeah just snap fix it, out of know? it yeah fix and it, it. yeah Pray I, about I, it. I hear that a lot um mm -hmm. when I talk to people who who are walking through this and they're walking because there's a lot of confusion because you have highs and lows through this too because you know some days you'll feel great mm -hmm. and then you'll hit lows and sometimes the lows last for a long time and you feel like something's wrong with you but you feel like because of sometimes the the stigma that's in church where especially around depression because you said it earlier um Back in the day, it would be because there's something spiritually wrong with you, or mm -hmm. you some kind of demonic possession, or anything like. That. Uh, yeah, I remember the the phase the church went through where there was just a demon in everything. You know, if you got if you bought a certain kind of cereal, there was a demon in a certain kind of cereal. That's just. I used to go to church with a lady that believed that Mr. Clean was a demon and never bought the product because she had a crazy dream and saw Mr. Clean's face in the toilet while she was dreaming. So it's just crazy stuff that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm in church um different reasons and causes for depression i'm not a psychiatrist so i'm not even going to pretend to understand that aspect of it but traumatic events mm -hmm. um, life stress can trigger it too um, but there's also uh, a genetic mm -hmm. thing that's in play with with depression in some people i mean do you have without getting into too much information is it safe to say that that would be something that would show up in your family history? It, 
certain yeah. aspects of it yeah definitely it's um you know there's certain people that struggle with similar issues and things that you know, over the years yeah definitely goes back probably deeper than we know probably so and it manifests in different ways too mm -hmm. um because especially when people don't know how to deal with pressure they reach out to other things most drug addicts most alcoholics um, mm -hmm. self-medication to avoid stress but usually you find depression somewhere in there mm -hmm. it, at least in my experience you see that um, a lot of people don't know that and a lot of people kind of bristle against that but it makes sense though like you say mm -hmm. snap out of it get over it like you would never look at a child in a wheelchair at least I wouldn't, and say, hey, why don't you get up and walk? What's wrong with you? You wouldn't because you would see that there's some kind of physical disability or injury that's preventing that child from getting up and walking. That'd be heartless to do something like that. And what a lot of people don't understand, especially with cases of extreme anxiety or, or depression um, that, that you've walked through recently, is that in a way, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just snap out of something that's broken mentally or emotionally. There has to be healing and process and sometimes mm -hmm. medication to take place to, to get you balanced and right. Um, a lot of people, like they look at, I, I mean, me personally, I would never look at someone who is a diabetic and has to take insulin because of you know, a, an issue health-wise with their body and say that there's something wrong with them and their walk with God because mm -hmm. they're having to take insulin. A lot of people think that because they have to take medication that something is wrong with them. What would you say to somebody who's maybe at that point where they've tried to fix things on their own, they've tried giving things to God and they've seen some success, but there's maybe a, an, a, an issue there that needs to be corrected by medication and they're kind of hesitant to take that next step. What would you say to that? I would say there's no, there's not any shame in talking to somebody. You know, if, um, a lot of it with depression is you, you feel like, especially in a Christian position, like if you hold a position in church or something, you think that, uh, well, if I tell somebody I'm depressed or I'm suicidal, then they're, you're, you're going to be ashamed of it. You think people are going to look at you weird. And, you know, that that was one of the big things for me was when I got out of jail in March, I, I came out and I was like, man, I've been in I've been in jail for eight months and, you know, I'm going to come out and I'm going to be the the youth pastor that tried to kill himself. And and then part of me, you know, e even now, part of me is like, you couldn't even kill yourself and do it right. And and then, you know, it's um at, at that place, I would say just put aside the the shame put aside the um the nervousness about talking to somebody and if you if you don't feel like you can talk to your pastor talk to somebody because god made doctors for a reason he made you know he, he allowed medicine to be made for a reason yeah it's not any different than if you have cancer and you need chemo talk to somebody about it get the treatment that you need mm -hmm. yeah no, it's, it's way important to, to do that, because I think um, a lot of people, well, the nature of depression in and of itself is that you, you a lot of times people don't want to reach yeah. out for the help that they need. Well, let's talk to me about, because um, I don't want us to go too long here, so we've got a few minutes. Let's, let's talk about um, what you felt like was 
the major turning point for you recently in this? Give me like w maybe one or two things that you felt like. Probably getting getting back involved in church, honestly, yeah. seeing that, um, you know, being here, I've, I've seen that uh, not just restoring uh, love from God, but restoring love from the people of God as well, you know, I think was uh, probably the big turning point coming here, deciding that uh, I was going to live for God, but do it the right way for a change, you know, mm -hmm. instead of uh, coming to church on Sundays and, and then going home and doing whatever, I, I try to, not perfect by any means, so don't think I'm saying that, but I, I try to read read the word, listen to worship music, and I try to feed myself. And if you're coming to church and you expect Pastor Josh to do everything for you, then you need to go home and open your Bible and do a little bit of work on your own because it's, it's not something that you can come in and do once a week and everything's fixed and perfect. Yeah, it's got to be real. It's mm -hmm. got to be real, is it? I mean, as a pastor, there's a lot of stuff I can do, but I can't be the Holy Spirit for anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? you got to have that on your own, no doubt. Well, I think what's what's neat is, okay, so you broke the isolation, mm -hmm. and you rekindled your relationship with God, got that on track. Um, a lot of the life stress and mm -hmm. a lot of the, the other things that happen, traumatic events in life, people don't realize that through your relationship with God, all of that can be healed and restored. So you probably have seen and are seeing a lot of that come to bear in your life because mm -hmm. of that. And because you're not isolated anymore and you've got the accountability and encouragement that comes from being a part of a mm -hmm. body of believers, I know that's got to be helping you a lot too. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've had, uh, as a pastor, had a bad day and come in and somebody says something encouraging to me, man. It's just like phew, wind yeah. into the sails, you know. But when you isolate yourself, you don't get that at all. What's exciting to me is this, man, because I, we've, we've had a lot of conversations on the phone before mm -hmm. and after this stuff happening in your life, and, and I can see a change in you now. Like, you've got a spark in your eyes that you didn't used to have, mm -hmm. and I love that because I, I try, almost got choked up um, when you got baptized a few months ago. Do we have a picture of that that we can put mm -hmm. up? This is Teddy getting baptized here at LifePoint Church not too long ago, just to kind of seal what this new thing that God's been doing in his life is. I love that. I love that smile on your face right there. I love that smile on your face like that, right there because I, I think a lot of people um, find themselves in a place where they wish they could smile like that again, where they wish that they could step out of whatever the box is that they feel like they're in and, and enjoy life again. Depression robs a lot of people of a lot of the experiences that God intends for us to have in this life. I want to to give you just a couple of minutes before I close. If you could just say a couple of things to somebody who is walking through a season of their life, whether it's becoming real extreme, like where you got to, mm -hmm. or maybe they just feel like they're in the they're in a funk that they just can't get out of right now. Like what would you say to someone to get them in a place to break that cycle. If you just sit down at a table and look them in the eyes and say, give them your heart, what would you say? Well, I would, you know, first off, you would have to tell somebody you were going through that, but um, yeah. I know uh, 
we've been talking a lot about numbers and one in five and things like that. And I would have honestly believed the number's probably a lot higher than that. I think it's probably more like two or maybe three, even three in five, you know. I think depression's something that uh, the majority of people have some battle of or another at some point in their life, you know. And uh, I would say if you're here and you're struggling with depression, there is, I won't say there's a light at the end, but there, there's hope. And you can come up here, you can pray, and, you know, it, it may not feel like God cares in that moment. You may feel like he's um, abandoned you or turned his back on you or, you know, you may feel that way. But the reality of it is, is you just have got to feed yourself something positive so you can see that. Because God, we're closing the door to him. He hasn't closed the door on you. That's good. And if you're sitting there and you're struggling with it and, and you're fighting with depression or even thought about suicide before, you've got to find a way to show yourself that God's still in your life. And if you can't do it by reading you you got to look around and and see the things in life that are there you got to find the beauty in life and, and as cliche as that sounds when i you know a lot of things i think about now i think about the relationships that i would have deprived my friends with of having with me um my nephews and nieces man i, I love them to death and and i just i can't help but think of what I'd, I would have done to them if I would have been successful and yeah. cheated them out of an uncle. Um, you just have to like really dig deep and find something in life that you care about. And, and don't, you know, don't sit and play video games all the time. Don't lock yourself in your room and hide away from people because all you're doing there is just making it worse. You gotta find somebody that you know you care about and that cares about you because the, the only way to get out of it is that sometimes you need somebody to pull you out. That's why in James, uh, what he tells us to um, share with one another when we're going through hard times and things like that. And yeah, I think it's uh, important for for me. Um, one of the things was uh, add those secret sins, you know. And w if you're struggling with depression and you're trying to one, you can't hide things from God. And two, if you've got something that you think you need to hide from everybody else, you need to find somebody and tell them about it because 90% of the time that's probably the thing that's holding you back. Like with me, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm single. I'm a, I'm a guy. I love women. You know, what, what man doesn't that's uh, in, in the right mind? And a Christian man, you love women. So, you know, I struggle with uh, lust issues and things like that. And, and when you take that and you talk to somebody and you give it to someone else you don't have to carry it by yourself anymore and that's the thing that we do a lot of times as christians we get ashamed of what we're going through that happens because i mean the bible talks about and man who do you trust enough to do this the bible talks about confessing sins one to another mm -hmm. um and and bearing each other's burdens it, it's a big thing i think the big thing is don't just sit there and let it happen yep. do something do something you know, I think uh, this is kind of splitting hairs with with phraseology. But when, when you 
when, when people talk about constantly struggling with depression, I get the struggle, I get the fight. Me, and, and I've, I've gone through bouts of, of depression in, in my life, but the, I think it's the different in mindset. Do you want to sit and struggle with it, or do you want to deal with it and move on and live life? I believe God's will is for us to overcome these issues in our life. Amen? Not to be a continual victim, not to be a, a victim of life or circumstances or a victim of your past or even a victim of maybe health issues that are going on in your life right now because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And buying into the lie that you have to be trapped in a cycle of anxiety or depression for the totality of your life, man, it is a, it's a lie and it's a trap from the enemy, and you don't have to. I'll say it again. You don't have to settle for that in your life. You don't. Jesus died to set us free from all of that. And there's a lot of different layers to it. It could be as easy as a choice. It could be as easy as forgiving. It could be as easy as choosing to let God have issues in your life. Or it could be as easy as going and talking to a professional Christian counselor. Or it could be the step might be to go talk to that Christian counselor and get the medication that you need to take those steps. My, I would challenge you, if that's you today, don't settle for where you are in life. And don't buy that lie of the enemy. Take steps to deal with it and move on. And, and I think if they do that, and I'm not saying that you would never have a bout with it again in your life. But man, when it comes up, you deal with it. <laughs> you do what you can. You process through it and you move on. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. This is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture to me in the Bible. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. That means that Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. And I think a lot of times we forget that. Uh, a, a big part of the reason that Jesus came to this earth was not just to die for our sins, but so that he could have a human experience and understand exactly what it was like to be you and to be me and to struggle with the stuff that we struggle with and to walk through the stuff that we face in life. Do you think Jesus ever faced a point in his life where he felt some pressure? I think so. Do you think Jesus had the opportunity to be depressed? I mean, if everybody that I had poured my life into turned their back and bailed on me and denied me and betrayed me, I think, I think that would qualify. He, mm -hmm. he has gone through it. So there is nothing that we can experience in life that he hasn't already walked through and that he can't relate with. And it's important to understand that because the tail end... Of this passage, verse 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We approach God with confidence because we understand He already knows what we're walking through. He already understands the hurt. He already understands the disappointment. He already understands the issues because He paid the price to be able to relate with us. So we can go to him with confidence because we know that when we go to him as our wonderful counselor, he's already been through it, he's already experienced it, and he knows exactly where we're coming from. 
And he's not only able to relate to us and empathize with us, but he's able to give us the mercy and forgiveness that we need. And he's able to give us the help that we need through his grace to get us through those times of needs in our life. Most of the time, most of the time, the anxiety and the stress and even the depression that we find ourselves in can be fixed by putting a focus on our relationship with God. Most of the time. Okay? Because in, in the presence of God, when, I, when I'm hanging out with Him and I'm spending time in worship and I'm getting into the Word of God, He's able to be that counselor in my life. And I can get counselor and advice from the Word and through the Holy Spirit moving in my life because He is our counselor. Amen? Amen? Um, in the presence of God, I can release all the stuff that I'm feeling, all the pressure that I might be walking through, I can release that to him in his presence and say, God, I give it to you. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because what? He cares for us. He's there. We can give all that stuff to him as our wonderful counselor. And I think the third thing and, and maybe the most important thing is that when I'm spending time in my relationship with God, that it reminds me of how powerful that he is. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of how powerful that he is. Most of the stuff that we find ourselves bombarded with, and a lot of the stuff that we allow to sit in our lives that affects us, we don't have to let it affect us if we approach our relationship with God right. Now, I will say this. There are cases, look, I'm not downplaying traumatic events. I've gone through them. I've gone through them. I know what it's like to, to lose a child. I know what it's like to, to go through some seasons of life that absolutely stink. I get that. But I do also know from personal experience that you can release the hurt and you can release the pain and you can release whatever the issues are in the presence of God and he can heal and he can restore and he can breathe life into the dead areas of ourselves. He can reach into the deep, dark places and bring about the hope, the purpose, the love, the passion and everything that he desires for us to have and experience in our lives. You don't have to settle. You don't have to settle for that being normal in your life. Amen? You don't have to settle for that being normal in your life. Um, And you know what? If you are at a place where maybe it's a good idea to go out and get professional help, that's what professional Christian counselors are there for, Mm -hmm. to help us process through those situations, to put the pieces together, to figure out how we can deal with those areas of our lives and not just constantly struggle with them. And if there's medication, take the medication. Get yourself balanced out. Don't settle. Don't settle for a life that's less than what Jesus died to give you. Amen? Stand to your feet if you will. Bow your heads and close your eyes as we close out the service today.